This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First World Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to sports memorabilia, wrestling figures, wrestling magazines, anything you need or want, they have it there. Best thing is, they update daily, and even better than that, they ship worldwide. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit BossFightBooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Super Mario Bros. 2, and the soon-to-be-released, just-announced, GoldenEye 007. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format, so please check them out at VossFightBooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, please visit LegacySubs.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything that makes you feel great, they have it. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. If you want to support me directly and monetarily, the easiest and best way to do that is to go to my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in that description. Click on the link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want. It is literally there. But the best thing, the easiest thing, the most important thing to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week, I'm being joined once again to chat all about video games, TV, and movies. The one, the only, Steve Tilly. What's going on, man? The second best Steve. Of all the Steves on the podcast right now, I am the second best Steve. <laughs> well, I would hope so. It is my show. That, that's the only time I'll put myself over, as they say. It's, you know. I would always defer to you. That's right. <laughs> there you go. You know what? I always look forward to This is the episodes I look forward to the most because 
I love video games, I love movies, I love TV. Well, movies, we'll get into it, have fallen off, and I think we've touched on this before too. Not really up there anymore in my like top three of entertainment stuff to consume nowadays, but it still is there. Every once in a while, there are gems. But before we get into anything, my friend, what's going on with you? What's up? Well, I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little busy. Uh, uh, when when it's I, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm not I'm not spoiling myself here. But uh, okay. as as we have discussed, I am in the process of moving out of Toronto. I have lived in Toronto for almost 17 years now, but wow. I am originally from <laughs> the heartland of Alberta. I'm from Edmonton. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm in the process of uh, of getting things together to move back to Alberta. Be a little closer to my family. Uh, buy a house that won't cost two million dollars like in Toronto. Right. And uh, oh. yeah, so it's it's a very stressful time. I mean, anybody who has moved, I'm sure, can relate to the amount of stress that goes into moving with the, uh, the you know the finding a realtor and you know deciding what you're going to pack and take with you, then finding a realtor on the other, the other end. Moving across, you know, moving across country to another province. It's a lot of it's a lot of hassle, and you know, working at the same time too. So. That has kind of been my primary focus for the last little while. I was trying to get this this move happening, but um, when I can, I've been sneaking in some shows and sneaking in some games, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, got to got to take the mind off the uh, the other stuff every once in a while. You know what I'm wondering now? Like, like inflation has gone so stupid crazy in the past ten years alone, where like. I can't imagine what stuff is going to cost in the future. Like, where is this going to lead to? Like, is literally like a stick of gum going to be a million dollars, say, a hundred years from now? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I mean, eventually it's got to come back down, right? I know right? we're in historic inflation right now. And, uh, but I mean, I don't know too much about finances, but I know they're putting measures in place to, to try and get inflation under control. I think, I feel like in a year or so, we should be back to where we should be. I mean, this can't go on forever. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like sticker shock when you go to the grocery store now or buy anything. It's just like, how the hell? Like, everything costs so much more now. And I don't know about you, but, you know, my wages have not gone up to reflect the right? rise in inflation. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy time. I know. You no, know, it has to be in a perfect world like Star Trek where there is no money. You know what I mean? Like, that is the world I want to live in where, how do they even do anything? Like, how do they trade, barter, buy, like, is that, was that ever explained in the Star Trek universe? I don't know how the Star Trek economy works. Right? They can basically make anything with their, like, matter makers, whatever foods you want they can make. Yeah, yeah. They they got, like, stuff that can basically 3D print anything. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I've often thought, like, it's often been a little thought experiment with me is okay what i'd rather live in the star wars universe or the star trek universe and i feel like that's a good one star wars has like a lot of cool stuff like jedis and the force and crazy planets and wild aliens but i feel like star trek would be a little more a little safer you know you probably have better health care <laughs> better quality of life if you live in the Star Trek universe, as long as you're like part of the Federation and not some, you know, some backwater planet. So I, have, I, have, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm lying awake at night, I think about would I rather live in the Star Wars universe, the Star Trek universe? I guess it also depends. Like, if you're living in the Star Wars universe, are you like a Jedi? Are you part of like the Senate? Are you some, you know, poor guy peasant slept in sand on Tatooine <laughs> or something? Right. So, it depends on your lifestyle, I guess. 
It's so true because majority of the time, the conversation is, what do you like more, Star Trek or Star Wars? Right. I love them both, but I'm sorry. Star Wars is just so much more better. There's so much more story, so much lore behind it. Like, I just love everything about it. But that's a good point. Where would you want to live? And yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm a chicken shit. I, I'd live in the Star Trek world. I'm sorry. <laughs> Screw that. Like, you know, and I want everything at the push of a button. Secure your diseases. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, again, it would depend if you had access to that kind of stuff. Or maybe you're like living on the Klingon homeworld or something where your life is going to be really short and brutal, right? Who knows? Or you could be you part know? of the Borg Collective. How about that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> no decisions to make. Perfect. Man, I don't have to think about anything. I have to think about what I'm going to wear in the morning, <laughs> what I'm going to do. You know, somebody's doing all the thinking for me. That Sometimes that, that, that feels kind of, you know, that feels like it can be kind of attractive sometimes. Oh, my God. Well, Leads right into it. Star Trek, Star Wars, that's what's been pretty much on TV nowadays. Okay, let's go with Star Trek because that's usually the least popular of the two, which I hate to admit sometimes. But you watched the remake of the original. I watched Picard. Let's touch on Picard quickly because we were talking about the Borg. I know you haven't watched it really and you said you don't care about spoilers, so I'm going to get right into it. This whole season was the best two storylines from the original Star Trek Next Generation. It involved the Borg and Q. Fantastic, this whole season. I can't believe... Like, when... People are involved in projects, and we'll get into it once we get into video games, because I'm loving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. When people have love <laughs> for something, and they are able to work on it, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Now, I've heard, like, I, now I haven't watched, I watched a little bit of the first season of Picard, but I have not, I've heard a lot of mixed opinions about season, okay. season two. Yeah, have you, so you've been into it all the way through? You're, like, fully behind Picard? I liked it, I, and I could see where people don't like it, because it involves time travel, and Star Trek did that in, in the movie First Contact, with the Borg as well, so sort of, like, you know what I mean? But it wasn't really, uh, and it, you got to see Picard's origin, like, when he was a child, his relationship with his parents, that was never told before either. You got to see Guinan when she was young when she was actually able to be young oh, yeah. and then she was on planet earth and how 10 forward actually came to be it's the street and it was called 10 forward or something and just all the interactions like you had cameos wesley crusher made an appearance yeah i heard that like That's you know awesome. what i mean and you had obviously dr sun sung sung right dr sung sung how, how do you pronounce it is it Dr. Oh, Sung? Man, Sung? The wrong guy. <laughs> well, the guy who invented data and created data and his brother. It was Dr. Soong, oh, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. However you pronounce it. So that's how you got to see data in the series too. And then one of my favorite parts was when towards the end, one of the last episodes, and again, big spoiler alert, there was a file in Dr. Sung's office called Project Khan. Beautiful. Ooh. What a tie-in <laughs> that is. And if that's what the next season is gonna be, because again, spoiler alert, like you know, it involved, it involved time travel. Some of them got stuck behind in time. So who knows what's going to happen, whatever, whatever. But I don't know. As as sort of a light fanboy, this was perfect for me. And I because I don't like to go too much deep into the story to be so enthralled. And, oh, my God, look at that thing. Like, yeah, I nitpick every once in a while. But to me, as long as it does its service, I'm cool with it. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I've, 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 like, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a hardcore Star Trek fan. I've watched, I mean, I've watched the original series. Um, I don't think I've seen every episode of Next Generation. I okay. haven't seen every episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, no, um, I, I, I stick to Next Generation. That's as far as, and even like the motion pictures, yeah. I watched the first three or four original, and then I watched all the Next Generation ones. And to me, part yeah. two is still the best. With Khan, oh my God, that's... That is still like one of the best sci-fi Man. movies of all time. Right, Star Trek Two. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, so I've been digging. Uh, I've been watching Strange New Worlds, and okay, um, so how's I that watched been? Discovery, which I liked. Okay, but, um, 
what uh, what kind of the, what I didn't like about Discovery was um, it was a really complicated storyline, like all See? the stuff with the Red Angel and, and Spock's, you know, kind of background and okay. Michael's background. It was a lot. Like you had to really keep track of what the hell was going on in that show. Sure. And what I'm loving about uh, Strange New Worlds is that it's like the original Star Trek. Like it's obviously the prequel to the original Star Trek. So it's Captain Pike, you know, the guy, the first captain of the Enterprise before Kirk. And it's kind of like more episodic, like like the the stories are. There's some character arcs over this okay. over the season, but each episode is kind of its own self contained story, sure. like kind of like the original series was. Right. And I'm digging that. I'm digging all the callbacks. I'm really okay. not sure how they're gonna plug this into the original series timeline because you've got like you've got Spock, you've got Uhura, you've got like people like uh, uh, Nurse Chapel um, oh. on this Enterprise, but they're very different characters. Like Nurse okay. Chapel is a lot more kind of contemporary. Um, sure. on Strange New Worlds than she is like in the, the 60s series, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I love the character, but it's like, uh, it's, far, it's hard to see the connection between Nurse Chapel on Strange New Worlds and the Nurse Chapel we will eventually see, you know, on, on the original series, right, right. which is set years later. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job. Um, okay. I think uh, Henson Mal, the guy who plays Captain Pike, he's awesome. He's like, you know, he's very... He's got kind of like, like the qualities of some of the best captains of the Enterprise. He's very dashing yeah. like Kirk, but he's very kind of like, uh, you know, uh, thoughtful and, and compassionate like Picard. And uh, yeah, I, I like him. He's he's definitely up there among the, the top captains of the Enterprise. So I'm really digging the show. Like I'm digging it more than I was. I, I liked Discovery. I liked some things that Discovery did, but I'm definitely digging Strange New Worlds uh, more than Discovery. And I, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Like it's weird because they they they're built into this this spot where they've got to eventually connect sure. with Star Trek the original series like yeah, yeah. There's, there's only so much you can play with there like you can't kill off Spock for instance because right. we know he's going to be alive in the original series so um, it's kind of there's kind of like some 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 limitations to what they can do story wise but it also it's a huge universe and it's kind of cool to see them touch on some storylines that were never really fleshed out in the original series or, or see characters or you know like Orion pirates that we that we will see again in the original series. So yeah, I think they're doing a good job. I'm I'm digging it. It's very entertaining. That show. Well, speaking of limitations, like another one, and it just was aired. The finale was Obi Wan Kenobi. Like that, I was so interested yes. to see how they were going to do this. And let's get right into it. Star Trek aside, now let's go full all Star Wars. <laughs> like uh, the thing that I, I loved. Okay, how about this? I'll start off by saying this comment. It was the worst of the three series that's been put out, but it's been my favorite, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting take. So explain that. Explain how it's the worst, but your favorite. Okay, because I love everything Darth Vader related, as we talked about the last one. And remember I said I wanted a Darth Vader story. Even though this is Obi-Wan story, it was hand in hand. Like Especially after the second episode, once you see Darth Vader and he starts talking and everything and he's more involved in, in all the stuff on screen. It was like, okay, this is exactly what I wanted. And it was perfect, but everything else didn't sort of make sense for me, and I didn't like it. Like the whole Leia arc, loved the little actress, superb job. <laughs> she, was great. she was great. If anyone was to play a, a, a smaller version of Leia, she did it perfectly. It just didn't make sense because every time in the back of my mind, I see the holographic thing of the original Princess Leia from yeah. from Episode Four, Kenobi, yeah, right? Yeah. And then after it says, "You served with my dad in the," and it's like, well. 
if you know yeah. if, you, if you had this connection with Obi Wan, wouldn't you say that? Right. Remember you helped me, like you know what I mean. <laughs> so I I couldn't shake that for some reason. And if it wasn't for that, right. it'd probably be the best. But like the other two series, like they were written better. I find there was more like I don't know because it didn't have to rely on the Jedi. It had. I, I don't know if that more free reign, more able to do others. Like, you, you know what I mean? So I guess that's my, comp- my whole comment of saying it wasn't the best, but it was my favorite. Yeah. I, I hear you exactly. It's, 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 this is the problem. Cause it's the same thing with the Star Trek prequel series is they've got, we know what happens in Star Wars, right? So we, anything that, that doesn't make sense leading up to that stands out. And what you're, what you are talking about is exactly the problem I had too. Like when we okay. see, uh, Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi and Princess Leia, you know, the, the, the small amount of interaction they have in Star Wars. Yeah, you would think, you know, Leia would be like, you served my father in the Clone Wars, and also we had this, we chilled out on this huge adventure where you saved my ass and chased, you know, right? Darth Vader across the galaxy to rescue me, and, you know, <laughs> like like that, they've got such a personal, like, it's almost like a father-daughter connection. It is. And then especially at the and, end when he explains, like, yeah. oh, I do know your parents, but I couldn't go any further. Like, you know what I was waiting for? For him to do some kind of mind trick and then she forgets everything. That would have been oh, better, that, I that think. That kind of made sense. Right? Yeah, it would have made some sense for her not to really, you know, talk more about their relationship. Exactly. So, yeah, that's the exact same thing. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what we're coming up with against, uh, coming up against in these prequel shows is we know what happens and whatever happens in these shows has to eventually plug into what we know happens and one of the problems with that is like in the finale you've got all these players all these like major characters in play but we know for instance we know obi-wan's not going to die we know vader's not going to die right we know leia's not going to die we know <laughs> uncle owen and aunt Beru aren't going to die yeah. we know luke's not going to die none of these characters are in jeopardy because we know that they will appear later on and this isn't like Star Trek, where they've done the Kelvin kind of split off. Sure. This is the canonical universe leading up to the events of Star Wars, of A New Hope. So, yeah, it's it kind of takes some of that real, uh, that sense of jeopardy away when you know, like, oh, no, third sister's closing in on a Luke. I hope she doesn't kill him. Right. She's not going to kill him because he's got to stick around and like, blow up the Death Star in a few years. And uh, one thing I did have a problem with, though, is... Okay. Is oh, like I like I like the duel. I hope like I hope everyone's seen the finale by now. But I like the duel between uh, Obi Wan and, and Vader at the end. Me you too. Obi Wan slices Vader's Love helmet that. partially open, so you can see his face. Yeah. But man, Obi Wan by not killing Anakin there, like Anakin's then going to go on to blow up Princess Leia's planet. Man, like he's going to go on to to be like a murderer of millions of people with the Death right? Star. And Obi-Wan is now indirectly responsible for this reign of terror that Darth Vader what a is going to wreak across the galaxy, right? Like, like there's <laughs> millions of deaths on Obi-Wan's hands now. I mean, that, of course he didn't know, but man. Yeah, well. Like, like Vader, Anakin said himself, Anakin is dead. I killed Anakin. Like, Anakin doesn't exist. Your friend is gone. Well, freaking stick your lightsaber in his face, then, right? man. Put him, put him down. He's a bad guy. He's going to kill people. Kill him. But no. We can't because we know Vader's going to be alive in Star Wars. Yeah, no kidding. But it's just, it feels so comfortable. Like, I, I know the other ones were cool when they first came out because it was like the first series. And it's like, oh my God, yes. Like Mandalorian was, yeah, 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 Star Wars universe again. But this just felt like home to me. Like hearing that lightsaber again. Like, you know what I mean? The, the one thing that pissed me off, but then they redeemed themselves, luckily, was the music. 
Like, there was no hints of the original score from the movies in this, which I thought was a bit odd, except the end when Darth Vader was talking to the Emperor, and then you heard the infamous Darth Vader music. And I was like, thank you. That's what I was waiting for. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like they dangled that a bit. So that was pretty cool for that. But it just, again, and James Earl Jones at 91, still doing the voice of Vader. Oh, man. How crazy is that? that's awesome. I'm glad he's still around. I heard, I heard one time, like long before this, that they actually basically had him sit down and almost like read the dictionary so that they could eventually mm. they needed to be, needed to like splice Vader's voice. In. But I mean, now you get they're like AI voices are, are getting so good. You could probably do a pretty good rendition of, of his voice just from, from James Earl Jones sent voice samples. But yeah, I'm glad he's still around to be, to be reading those lines. Cause I mean, Darth Vader's got to have Darth Vader's, voice right or it would be Darth Vader my one my one other problem with this show though is is and I don't think it was my favorite of the series so far either I think the Mandalorian has still been the yeah, best of the bunch me too is that I don't know like we haven't seen Vader in live action we see Vader briefly in live action at the end of uh the the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. when Anakin like puts on the helmet and then we see Vader briefly in live action in Rogue One when he goes for right. the um the blockade runner ship yeah but I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's the only time we've seen Vader in live action since the original movies. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like it had quite the weight that I wanted it to. Like the first time we see him when he's chasing down Obi Wan, like, I don't know what I was expecting. I just maybe I thought he'd make a grander entrance or just be more sure. menacing somehow. But he was kind of like just another kind of bad guy character. And Vader is so iconic. It, like I just felt like he couldn't. He shouldn't be just another bad guy character. He is Darth Motherfucking Vader. And I just felt like sometimes, in, with the exception of the finale, where I felt like he was really Vadery, I didn't kind of feel the weight of that of Darth Vader's presence when he was on screen. I wonder if it was meant purposely by the writers so they have that sympathy factor that every time he's around Obi Wan, he's he's a little bit weaker than usual. Like you know what I mean? Because to me. Darth Vader is the badass of all badasses, like you said. Like he is to me, what top five villains of all time, in my opinion. Like you know what I mean? Exactly. Like so, maybe it was the portrayal of that. And then after, because uh, once again, Obi Wan bested him. He left him down, and he could have killed him. So that's twice now that it just fired something up, and he became the super badass and had no regret. Where he was even wanting to kill his own son after. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess that's really where like. Vader's hatred would have developed, but he he was he was defeated and left for you know not dead, but he was defeated and badly wounded wounded once by Obi Wan, and then again he's defeated and badly wounded and, and left again. So you can see how that would really drive him over, over the edge and make him like this this really hate filled character. So yeah, I kind of see how it fills in a little bit of his backstory, but I don't know. They're looking around episode two or three when they had that that showdown in like the freaking gravel pit or whatever right it, it just didn't seem like a real dramatic spot I know to have a mean. fight first of all it's like they're in a rock quarry or something right right and i just didn't get the sense of vader being vader like vader is vader like he's I just know. he just he should be so unstoppable it's so scary and i just didn't feel that from vader until towards the end of the series when he felt like vader to me yeah and a few other things okay it's like I love how the Star Wars universe doesn't really age as well because it has that feel like, except for obviously if you go back and watch the original movies on the way it was, but if you watch everything like on 4K, it looks fantastic. Like, you know what I mean? From the originals to now. But here's, here's a few things I still don't understand. One, 
Why do stormtroopers still wear that stupid armor if every time someone shoots at them or stabs them, they die? So obviously it has no protection. So if it's just, it's just the worst armor. like, you know what I mean? If it's holding them back, like might as well wear nothing. So who cares about that? And second, why is every room in Star Wars the size of a cathedral? Oh, I don't know, man. Maybe they got a lot of space to work with. <laughs> Maybe that's just like the design. That's, that's how they design stuff. You're absolutely right about stormtrooper armor. They have had so many years to improve that armor. <laughs> But it doesn't apparently doesn't deflect blaster fire. They can't see for shit through those helmets, and I think they've even said that like they can't really see through those helmets. Right. They're not really effective troops. But I noticed too, like even in the even their ships, like the star destroyers chasing down Obi Wan's ship at the end, yeah, yeah. firing shots at it and kind of getting glancing blows or missing. Like, do you guys not have computers? I mean, the spaceship <laughs> ahead of you, moving at a very linear That's path. Funny. I mean, it's doing a little bit of maneuvering, but man, oh. you should be able to hit that thing dead on with every shot unless you're working on a, on a friggin' like, you know, like 1980s calculator calculating your your, your, your shots. But I mean, that's, that's part of it, right? Like, Star Wars is supposed to be kind of like, you know, like pirate ships in space. I guess yeah. you can't really expect it to be really science fiction-y otherwise it wouldn't be as much fun. I mean, it wouldn't be that's fun true, if, too. if a, a Star Destroyer could have blowed, blowed up the Millennium, Millennium Falcon with one shot, that would not be very much fun. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely much more fun, but it's maybe, yeah, it's, we just can't expect a certain, you don't expect a certain level level of realism out of Star Wars, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And then, uh, were you happy with the amount of cameos in this one? Because again, that's always the, again, the fine line. Should you bring in some? Shouldn't? Is there, like, good enough? Like, to me, like, I think it was great because you got to see the Emperor, you got to see Qui-Gon even at the end. That was, I was not yeah, expecting yeah. that. I'm glad they didn't bring in Yoda into this because that wouldn't have made sense either because he disappeared after the Clone Wars and then that's pretty, or after Revenge of the Sith and then that was it. Like, you know what I mean? So that was great too. So what, what do you think? Do you think there should have been more cameos or this was just great? No, like, I, the funny thing is going into this, I don't know if they kept it hidden or I just didn't pay, <clears throat> pay enough attention to the trailers, but I had no idea that Leia was going to be part of this show Me at neither. all. Me I neither. thought it was going to be strictly about, about Obi-Wan and, uh, and Luke, what we're looking after Luke. So, like you, I really like the actress who played Leia. She's just like I could. I I would watch her in a spinoff series of like the, the <laughs> right? adventures of young Leia getting into trouble on an Alderaan, you know, before it blows up. Um, I thought she was really good. Yeah, she. I don't know. Like, I felt like maybe she had to be there to help humanize Obi Wan, but but um, so I liked her being there. I liked young Leia. I liked I liked seeing young Leia. It's weird that we saw so much of young Leia and we see hardly any of young Luke, right? It's like, but uh, you know what? Now Luke is the only one to appear in all three of the series. Think about that. All three? Oh, yeah, because he, yeah, he's in... Uh, is he in Boba Fett? Yeah, he is. He's, he's training with, with Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So he shows up at the end of The Mandalorian and then, he, yeah, then he's like a major character in, right? in Boba Fett. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so that kid, that kid who plays young Luke... I mean, he's got a. That's a pretty. Uh, that's a good gold star in your resume. Saying I played the young Luke Skywalker, one of the most, one of the most well-known characters in all of all of moviedom. But um, I don't need a ton of cameos. I find they can be distracting sometimes. Sometimes, um, yeah. Especially yeah, if they I, revolve I, around them. I thought they might. They might try. Uh, to introduce a young Han Solo in there as a passing oh, cameo. Okay. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't because that would have been yes. kind of silly. That would have been really forced in, but I was half, there were some scenes where I was half expecting him to show up as sure. like, you know, some young character. But, and like <laughs> he and Leia would not necessarily even meet because of course they would, you know, they can't meet that, that early. But um, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I, uh, 
it's so weird because I was really looking forward to the series, and I thought it told a story, but I'm I'm kind of with you. It was not, despite the fact that it's the, the, the series that most closely kind of plugs into the Star Wars original trilogy, it was just not, not my favorite. Yeah. If I had to watch this or watch season one of The Mandalorian again, I would watch The Mandalorian again. Oh, there you go. Okay, how about this? Before we move on, last Star Wars-related question. Put you on the spot. Who do you think is the strong, not the best, but who do you think is the strongest Jedi of all time? Strongest Jedi of all time. Oh boy! Um, right? Because like I don't. There's so like to me. There's a top three. I would think it would either be Luke, and or four. Luke, Anakin, Obi, or Yoda. One of those four. It's got to be right. I guess so. I mean, obviously, you're going, you're going into deep cuts in like the. the oh no! I'm not going. I'm saying big screen or yeah. small screen. I'm not going into the like the actual whole library of Star Wars. No way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Uh, I mean, <laughs> unpopular opinion, but you could possibly argue that uh, Ray becomes one of the strongest Jedi towards the end of the uh, the, the sequel trilogies. Um, sure, it's got to be Yoda or, or Vader, I would think. You know, because they both got such a such a strong grasp of the Force, and then they can throw shit around. Like Vader, Vader. I like the fact that in the lightsaber duels, Vader's basically just like blocking stuff with the Force. Like, you want to hit me with your lightsaber? I don't even need to deflect your lightsaber with my lightsaber. I'm just going to block you with a force. Well, with not even that. Up, Pulling in spaceships from the air and stopping them from taking off. What the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> didn't, now, who, who did that in... Uh, didn't Ray do that in... I don't know. I've kind of put some of the, 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 the sequel movies out of my mind. but Yeah, I haven't watched them enough times. Stop, That's the problem. Maybe, it's, maybe it was Kylo Ren who tried to stop with a ship. And, oh. I can't remember. Let me try to stop Actually, a ship. You are right. the, the I think it was Kylo. It blew yeah. up. Yeah, and we thought Chewie was on it, but it turns out he wasn't. So that's yes, like that's right. Death. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I think it would have to come down to Yoda or Vader. And it would sort of depend on, too, where they are in their, their own timelines. Like, you know, Yoda, um, younger Yoda, would, was a badass with a lightsaber. You know, he's like right. so little, and, and Vader became very powerful. So, yeah, good, good question. I don't know. I'll, I'll, guys. I'll just throw it in. I'll, I'll say Yoda. Boom, done. No one's okay. better than Yoda. I'm sorry. And look how long he lived, too. It's, it's longevity. That's what I'm basing it on. That's true. It's like 900 years old or something like that. That's right. Right. Well, another series that was on Disney, which, okay, Disney, you have to stress this shit out. Like, literally, why do you drop, like, two series in one day, then a movie on the same day? Like, come on, man. Give us some time for us to talk about this. <laughs> but as of this recording, three episodes of Miss Marvel have aired now. Another gem. I can't believe these people. And we didn't even touch on Moon Knight because, well, that was a bit while ago anyways. But I love that as well. I don't know how these people keep doing it, man. How do they find these talented people to pull off these series over and over again? Yeah, I, I got to say, Ms. Marvel has been the biggest surprise for me so far out of all of the, the, the Marvel series. And because it is so good and it's so much fun. Like, I... I barely know that character. Like I know, you know I know nothing. Kamala Khan as a character. I know that she. I, th- I think probably the most I've seen of her is in the the Avengers video game, and that's um, where I know her from. And you know what? This yeah. is pretty closely mirrored. Like even like the whole Comic Con thing with the Avengers. That's how the video game yeah. starts. Like, but obviously the Avengers are in the actual game, and I know they can't really put them because the whole timeline doesn't fit. But like, you know what I mean? It's sort of you know you could see where they got some of the story from. Yeah, and then they change her powers a bit, uh, you know, because she, she's basically yes. got almost like like Reed Richards' stretchy powers with her, her exactly. big fists and big limbs, and they kind of change it to be more of like she makes fists as a projection of her, her hard light, although who knows how that'll change. But the actress who's, who's, isn't she from like, she's she's from the GTA. The yeah, she's Canadian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 
she's so good. She's such a perfect fit for this character. Right? And I kind of love, like, I, I love the kind of weirdness of WandaVision. I kind of love the kind of serious intrigue and espionage of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But this, this is like a really, it's like a coming of age high school type you know, a show that happens to be about superheroes, too. And I'm just digging the shit out of this, man. And I love the fact that it's, like, they're really, like, leaning into the, the, the Muslim culture and community. Yes, and the, the I love that, too. Community. I'm learning so much. And it's like it shows, yeah, it shows, shows the family dynamics and the dynamics of the, yep. the communities around the mosque and around that culture. And that's not something you ever see on, no. like, superhero or sci-fi shows, right? So... They're doing something different with that and doing it really well. Uh, the character is, you know, adorable, but but you know, strong and and I really want to know where they're going to go with this. I'm I'm just three episodes in and I'm just loving the shit out of it. It's 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 my it's the show of all the shows we're talking about. You know, like Star Trek and, and Obi Wan, which is done now, but it's it's the show I look most forward to each week. Now imagine being a teenager watching this Like you said this is perfect coming of age Like we didn't have this All we had was animation as kids Like we didn't have these type of shows Like you know what I mean And then also to be cultural Like you said where you know we We in Toronto and even in Canada, we live in a multicultural society. Like we also could pinpoint some of being an, an, an immigrant uh, child and having parents coming here and not assimilating properly and having our quirks and all that. So you could relate, even if you're not Muslim, like, you know what I mean? So, and it's good to know that other cultures go through the same struggles and it, yeah, like just everything from top to bottom, they don't shy away from yeah. nothing. And, and I just love it. The acting is superb. The story is great. Like you said, something fresh, they changed it a little, like the purists hate it, but at the same time, you have to roll with the time. Like, imagine if Batman was still the '60s Batman, where every time he punched, it said "pow." Would you watch <laughs> Batman? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. <sighs> Comic books and TV shows are, are two, and movies are, are different mediums. You can't do a direct translation of a comic book into into a into a movie or TV show. Partly because, I mean, these characters have had arcs or series going on for decades in some cases and you can't right. you know, cram all that into a six or seven episodes of a series no. or a two-hour movie there's, there's got to be adaptations it, it is an adaptation it is not a faithful reproduction of the source material thank you it's taking the kind of the the heart and the essence of the source material and adapting it into a tv show and again i, I don't really have any skin in the game because I've, I've i've not been a big reader of the ms marvel comics although now i'm tempted to go and read them because i like to sure. more about the character but i just think the show is really entertaining like it's it's, yeah. it's entertaining um in a light-hearted way but also like i just i love the family dynamic i love the community dynamic i love the high school dynamic between the, right. the characters in high school like there's just so much character cool character yeah. stuff going on in this that happens to also revolve around superheroes so yeah it's like it's a it's a it's a great show i hope i hope it maintains this like you said we're on episode three as we're talking today i hope it maintains it to the end it doesn't fall off right but so far yeah so far so great now quickly your thoughts on moon knight because that was the one right before this one did you enjoy that one i enjoyed it i i again i applaud them for doing something different um i love oscar isaac man you can't go wrong with oscar Isaac. he's such a great actor um I, I was uh, I read the early early Moon Knight comics when okay. he was basically just Marvel's Batman before he kind of <laughs> sure. morphed into like yeah into, into all the kind of Egyptian stuff. So yeah, I was yeah. was not as familiar with that. Okay. So I I was not super enamored, and I I don't love just general in in movies and shows when you have 
somebody playing a character talking to himself as like two different versions of the character. Yeah, it's tough to make that work. Oscar Isaac can make it work. You know, he can switch accents, he can switch mannerisms. He does a pretty good job of it. I liked Moon Knight more as it went on. Um, okay, I really like seeing their version of like the Egyptian underworld and, and kind of the way that Marvel has now explained that like the, the ancestral plane in, in black Panther and the, I forget what the, the actual name of it, but the Egyptian afterlife, these are all different kind of planes of, of, you know, afterlife that are all connected. Like they're all part of the Marvel universe mm-hmm. in their own, their own weird way. And I love to, <laughs> I love the freaking battle between the gods in front of the pyramids. Um, so there were things about it. I liked, um, I, I wish we could have seen more of Moon Knight in Moon Knight. Like there's, there's that's not true, a ton right? Of him, like towards the end, we see some really good action scenes. But I, you know, I would like, to, I would have liked to have seen more of the costume. And that, to me, again, because I got into Moon Knight early and didn't follow through the the uh, sort of gap. I can't remember the name of the character, but the, the sort of more dapper version of Moon Knight played by the the English version of the character. I didn't like him as much. I want badass hooded Moon Knight, the guy who's flying sure. around and throwing crescent blaze into people's throats that's the moon knight item so yeah i like i I just appreciate they're doing something different like 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 the first well not the first i guess the second marvel movie was iron man right after the the first hulk movie unless you were a bit of a nerd you didn't really know who iron man was right so marvel took a care a chance on this this kind of b-list character he was no spider-man he was no x-man he was iron man and that grew into like the the linchpin character of the entire MCU, right? So I like the fact that they're taking a little bit of a gamble on these lesser known characters like Moon Knight and like Ms. Marvel yeah. and trying to do something a little different. Like they could just they could just pump out show after show about the the A-listers if they wanted to. But I like the fact that they're going a little a little deeper with some of these less known characters. Well why not? They have the catalog for it and the next series to come out is uh, She Hulk, yeah. right? So like, you know what I mean? And this is more, looks like more of a detective sort of thing. And like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but again, I don't know because the anime or the CGI, whatever you want to call it, some people are already complaining about it because yeah. it's the few glimpses that have been out. But I, I'm interested. Again, yeah. you know what? Everyone always complains about it, but then in the end, everyone eats it up and says it's one of their favorite series. So who knows? Yeah. Again, they're doing something different. Like, it's like a, like a, like an Ally McBeal type legal comedy right? drama thing, right? Like, what? Why not? Yeah, that's something different. And I love Tatiana Maslany. She's, you know, she is so freaking good. But you're right. The early CGI that we've seen, which which may not be the final CGI, but that's the early CGI true. we've seen has really has that uncanny valley kind of thing going on where it's like, oh, that does not look like a person. Like even you look at like uh, uh, Smart Hulk in the Avengers movies, and it looks like Mark Ruffalo as a Hulk character. And right? it looks like, you know, you know, it's not a real person, but it it's got the mannerisms and the expressions and kind of the essence of a real person. The stuff we've seen, the glimpses that we've seen so far of She-Hulk in the trailers don't look great, okay. but that's all fixable. Maybe they're still working on it. They said to get those trailers out. And yeah, that's going to be a big question mark, man. I look forward to talking about that, you know, in three months to see how that series uh, pans out. Yeah, we'll revisit it for sure. And I love that you brought up Batman being sort of like Moon Knight or vice versa because movies you know it's been so hard for me and we discussed it quickly too and i'm sure again i said it before i don't know man there's something about movies that it's just not there anymore for me i don't know if the pandemic did it or i don't know what it is but i used to be a huge movie buff loved everything now it seems like the only movies i watch are superhero movies just so i'm still in the timeline so i know what's happening and one of the biggest ones to come out recently was the batman and i don't know about your thoughts but 
Okay, it's weird, my relationship with Batman. I think it's, besides him, obviously with Superman, it's the best two DC comic heroes that they have. The thing I love about Batman is the villains that are involved in the universe. Top-notch villains. Like, you can't go to any other... Maybe Spider-Man 2 is pretty up there, but Batman has the best villains, and the story is always there. The first movie I watched was Tim Burton's Batman. Everything I compared to is that. Nothing ever compares to it. What do you think about this Batman, my friend? Uh, it's kind of funny. Like, they have the Batman movies, like the... Uh... The, the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, the the, the infamous Bat Nipple uh, <laughs> Batman Forever movies, which like killed the franchise, right? That was the end of Batman for yeah. a few years, and then yeah. the Dark Knight trilogy came out, like the Christopher Nolan's trilogy, and it's like let's take Batman but make him more serious and grounded, right? Yeah, and yeah. then this comes out, and it's like let's take Batman and make him even more serious and even more grounded in reality. And I kind of think they almost went too far. Like I want a little bit of a fantastic element in my Batman story, like. Yeah. I don't need the penguin just to be a guy, man. Just like like a kind of a funny looking guy. Like I kind of want the penguin to have a top hat and a monocle and go. Rah, 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 rah. Sure, I get <laughs> it. I know a lot of that comes from the '60s show, and that's not really like what he's like in the comics. But same with Riddler. Like Riddler, uh, the take they did on Riddler felt very gritty, very kind of grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that, but I just I don't know. I felt like. Uh, Maybe maybe the the Dark Knight trilogy was kind of the sweet spot between oh. being grounded in reality but still having some some of those more you know fantastical superhero elements. I almost feel like they swung too far with the Batman. Like, I almost feel like it's just too gritty and too real. I still thought it was a good movie, a long movie. I still thought it was a good movie. I thought Robert Pattinson did a you know a pretty pretty good job yeah, as, so as both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, looked really great. You know, I liked the Gotham that they present. I always like yeah. Gotham. I always love looking at how they present Gotham in the Batman movies. And Gotham's like its own oppressive kind of, you know, element. And they did a really good job in that. Yeah. Um, if they continue with these movies, I'll be curious to see where they go. But, uh, yeah, I I was not disappointed. But also, I do think, like, I don't know. I just want a little more of the... Um, suspension of disbelief in my Batman movies. Like, he doesn't have to drive a car that could be a real car. He doesn't have to dress in armor that could be, like, actual armor that some guy can make himself. I know that they're trying to make it like that. They're trying to make it a little more real. I kind of like, you know, even though we didn't see a lot of them, but the Ben Ben Affleck Batman in the Justice League movies, that's kind of like a good mix. Like, he's Batman doing shit that no human being could do, for sure. Sure. And with gadgets that could never exist, for sure. But you still felt like it was a guy. You felt still it was a guy in a suit. And I think the Batman, the you know the Robert the Robert Pattinson Batman, just too close to being a real guy. It could be you. That could be you. You put on a bat. You like, you know, get jacked up, lift lift a lot of weights. Even more than you do because you're in good shape. Lift a lot of weights. <laughs> put on a bat suit. That could be you. You could do a lot of what he did in that movie. And I guess it's just I just want a little more kind of superhero out of Batman. Oh well, well this is the first time we've disagreed, my friend. Because to me, yeah. The, my favorite, like I said, it were the first two, the, the, especially, what was the second one? Batman Returns. Uh, that was a fantastic movie, I find. Mm. I, I was not a big fan of The Dark Knight. I'm one of the few. And I think this, the Batman, was better than the, anything that The Dark Knight produced, to tell you the truth. Because, I don't know, I like the Batmobile being a car. I don't like it being a tank. Because, again, maybe it's harkening back to the original stuff that it was actually just a suited up car. It wasn't like a tank type of thing. And I like Batman being sort of not indestructible, but he has to have sort of some armor because 
then what stops anyone from just shooting a gun at him? Like, you know, it can't be just yeah. something that you could go right through. Speaking like the stormtroopers, like, you know what I mean? Like we just brought up <laughs> and, and same thing goes with the Riddler character. I loved it. Like to me, it was uh, the sadistic jigsaw sort of character and he w- wasn't here, wasn't there. And, you know, he was kind of crazy, but he wasn't, he was a genius, but he's not like, you know, I love that whole thing. And, uh, again, going back, I'm thinking of the Riddler being Jim Carrey, just laughing yeah. and riddle me this. Like, that's sort of corny, but even though I do agree with it you. It is corny. It is corny. I just felt like there's some kind of maybe, not maybe not even a halfway point. Like, I okay. would still want the Riddler or want any of these characters to be closer to, to like, the reality of the Batman than they were to, the, like, the absolute fantasy of, uh, you know, Batman Forever and uh, whatever the other one was with... with <laughs> With the freaking the freaking bat credit card, you know, like just oh my the god, okay, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. That movie. So that was just well, that's one thing so we do agree top. on the Schumacher ones. I'm sorry, they I would yeah. rather go back and watch the 60s and 70s uh episodic ones. <laughs> I think, and I, I do, I really like I, I like the first two as well. I like the Tim Burton Batman movies a lot, but those were like their own thing, like Tim Burton's style and Jack Nicholson as the Joker, Oof. like uh, man, that's Danny just, DeVito yeah, as the top. Penguin. You brought it up yeah, with the monocle. Yeah, Come on, that's what the Penguin said. Like, like he's right? like a little weird short guy, like with a long nose, not a, not just some you know Colin Farrell and a whole whole lot of makeup, so you don't even know who he is. But yeah, I mean, I I, I like I see I see where you're coming from, and I know that's what they wanted. That's exactly what they were going for. They wanted a Batman that felt something like you know like a movie almost like Zodiac, where where it was like a really dark oh, or seven. Yeah. It was like a really dark, oppressive city, um, and that they were fighting against this darkness, and you could sort of relate and and feel that it was real. Yeah, yeah, and there was a I few things. Yeah, but there was a few things that yeah it didn't make me want like like you said like uh, like I don't know the the bat signal. Come on, man! Like we got to get rid of this. This guy has the best tech, and he doesn't have a fucking cell phone where someone could text him. <laughs> like you need a bat signal. Like come on, man! Like that it, stri- it strikes fear in the hearts oh. of criminals. Like when the bat signal goes on, criminals. Yeah, like, but oh, then the shit, criminals man. know he's coming. So you know well, you lose the element of they surprise. They, they they stop doing crime. They go home. Yeah, and watch okay. Netflix. That's good. Get them. Get the criminals off the street. And everyone's voice was the exact same. That low, gravelly voice. Everyone talked the same. That I didn't like that either. It's like okay, like like have some character to everyone. Like I don't know. That was weird for me too. And uh, I don't know. Just and then even Batman taking that injection. Like what is that? He's turning into Bane now as well. Like oh yeah yeah right. Like yeah. like those are the few stuff. Like again, I understand. And then obviously they had to have the cameo of the Joker because you know you can't have something Batman related without the Joker. So they squeezed that in there. And so I think there's going to be more. But I don't know. But okay, how about this? Before we transition on into, into video games, how about what's your favorite Batmobile of all time? Oh man, favorite Batmobile. Okay, not the Tumbler. Like I agree with you. I don't think the Batmobile should be like a tank. So okay. not the Tumbler from the the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. Um, and there was some. I mean. As silly as the movies were, there were some good Batmobiles in the the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher movies. But for me, I think it's got to be because I had the toy as a kid. It's got to be the stupid, silly um, Adam West oh, uh, the Batman Corvette. series Batmobile. Yeah, with like it's got the big fins on it, like little rocket launchers it. on the back. Like that, that was a dumb looking, like not dumb, dumb but cool looking Batmobile. So. That's still kind of the Batmobile I think of when I think of the Batmobile, the old school '60s Batmobile. Not practical. I think it was a convertible too. Yeah. Not super practical, but um, but but certainly kind of cool and, and and kind of fun. Yeah, I'll go so with what's, what's your. I'll what's go your with favorite? the first Tim Burton one, that long black oh, the one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that, that was one was just something so there. And again, as like you did, 
that's when I was a kid and that movie came out and I had the little hot box or match wheels, whatever they are called, version of it. And yeah, I used to love that thing because it just stood out and it looked so unique. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, ah, oh, it was perfect. A, a, a lot of, like, okay, I'm going to ask you a lot of favorites, but a lot of them are going to harken back for me to Tim Burton. But how about this? Favorite villain? Ah, uh, the Batman movies. Um, it, it's tough to top Heath Ledger as the Joker, I think, you know? He was creepy and, and, and you know, kind of psycho, but also you kind of felt where he was coming from. I do love the over-the-top super, like like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> Fantastic, so, right? So, so bad, but so good at the same time, right? Like just uh, the one-liners, you know, like chill out or whatever. This terrible, like a terrible kind of take on Mr. Freeze that you yep. can't take seriously at all. Nope. But still hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, he like as good as Jack Nicholson's Joker was. Um, I feel like Heath, Ledger, Heath Ledger's Joker was more in the spirit of the actual Joker character than, than Jack Nicholson was. So I would probably, I mean, it's it's probably a, a popular choice, but I would, I would probably pick him as my favorite of the cinematic Batman villains. Yeah, I agree. To me, it's, it's a neck and neck because they both brought what they brought to the table. It is Nicholson and it is Ledger. To me, those are the best two. Like you can, and that's why everyone wants the Joker more and more. And now I don't know if you heard well, I don't know if this was just a joke or if it was just rumor. Who knows what's going to happen by the time this airs. But that the next Joker movie is going to be a musical. Did you hear about this? What? No. And Lady Gaga <laughs> apparently is getting casted in it. Again, I don't know if this was just a meme or a joke. That I ho- I really hope so because I do not want to see that. I'm sorry. If that's true, that is all news to me. I am never, <laughs> I'm never a whisper of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, how about... Okay, we'll do two different ones. Favorite Batman and favorite Bruce Wayne. Oh man, that yeah, because that's tough. Those are two different characters, and not right? every, not every Batman actor has been a good Batman and a good Bruce Wayne. That's true. So who are we looking at? We're looking at Michael Keaton, George Clooney, Val Kilmer, um, uh, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Adam West, uh, Robert Pattinson. I think well, those are all the, the cinematic Batmans. I think so. Um, man, that's a tough one, and, and of course, like you know the bat. The Batman from The Batman, that's him like, as a young man. Like he's, he's just starting out his career. So, yeah. of course, he's going to be a younger guy compared to, like, you know, um, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Hmm. Hmm. That's tough, man. That is tough. I don't know. Like, Clooney's a very dapper guy, but I, I still don't know if he was the best Bruce Wayne. Um, I'll take Clooney. I, I loved it. Because, again... I'm thinking of just Clooney as a regular person. Like, how fitting. Like, just the way he acts. Like, I could see George Clooney being a Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's kind of like a real-life Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Yeah, right? A real-life billionaire playboy, for sure. Yeah. And as a Batman, I don't know. Probably not the most popular choice, but I kind of dug Ben Affleck's Batman. Like, I feel like. Okay, okay. You know, that that jaw, that lantern jaw, and he he, he had some some gruffness and some seriousness, but a little bit of humor. He's like kind of like the killjoy of the the Justice League, which he, you know, kind of always was. Um, and I kind of dug the costume too. So maybe I know bad choice probably, but I, maybe, maybe Affleck is my, as my Batman. And I don't know. I, I can't pick a Bruce Wayne. I can't pick a Bruce Wayne. I'll, I'll, uh, man, I don't know. 
I guess I guess it's got to be Clooney. Like I don't think I don't I think Clooney has done some really great work as an actor, but I also think he's done some pretty just okay work as an actor. Yeah. And he was just okay as Bruce Wayne. But you're right, he is kind of like if any actor could be Bruce Wayne, it would probably be George Clooney. Michael Keaton too is pretty close as well. I find as Bruce Wayne, like I don't know, he just fits because again his. His reactions to everything and the way he was smug and like I don't know and again being the first Batman I saw right so yeah he was weirdly good as both characters like I know at the time I remember the time that that people were just up in arms about right? Michael Keaton who was like primarily a comedic actor yeah. being cast as Batman but then he just freaking nailed it right and Tim Burton nailed it so that silenced everyone and I'm really curious to see I mean if the <laughs> who knows if this movie's coming out now with all the the, the shit that Ezra Miller's gotten into but assuming the Flash movie comes out next year I will be really curious to see how Michael Keaton's Batman is portrayed in in that movie that that could be really cool and I'm gonna go with Pattinson as my favorite Batman. I don't know. There was just something. Maybe because of his height. I think Batman has to be at least over six three, six four. You know what I mean? And I think that was the downfall. Maybe Val Kimmer is tall, but other than that, everyone else seemed a bit shorter. I don't know if they just put stuffing in their shoes or something, or I don't know what it was to make them equal. But they all seem like they're a bit shorter in real life, so I could never like suspend disbelief that much because I don't know. But Pattinson to me was perfect because you don't see how young he is. And I think that bat suit was one of my favorite as well. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Pattinson as the best Batman for now. Yeah, the, the early Batman suits, like the Michael Keaton, I think maybe all of the uh, the the first Batman movie suits, the the heads, you couldn't turn them. Like, they were kind of, ah. like, the characters had to rotate their shoulders to turn their heads. That's right, and good point. I think point. it was when, with the, uh, the, the Nolan movies with Christian Bale, they finally built a Batman costume where, like, he could turn his freaking head without <laughs> turning his whole body. So... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to look back at those movies now, and like every time Batman looks from side to side, he's like rotating his old right? his old torso. And then in the, the 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 Christian Bale Batman and the Robert Pattinson Batman, I think I think Affleck as well. It, it, all, yeah, it all looks a little more natural because they can they can actually turn their freaking heads. But yeah, no, though the 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 Batman costume in the Batman was pretty badass, and I like the fact too that you know again it's him in like I think year two of his his crime fighting career. So yeah, like he hasn't like refined that. that costume, right? Like he's still working on it. He's still True. sourcing pieces of it. Maybe 10 years from now, it's going to be way more high tech, but it looks like something that, you know, that he's put together over a couple of years and he's, it's still kind of a work in progress. And if they decide to go with him long-term, they could have him throughout who knows how many years, instead of, like you said, always casting these older versions of Batman, where you know the turnover rate's going to be at least five years, or else then it's not going to, you know, look good with yeah. the other superheroes. So, no, to me, I, everyone's up in arms, too, with this casting, because, you know, he's a pretty boy, all this, all that, you know, he's a teenage heartthrob, well, what is he going to do being a Batman? And I, you know what? He wasn't the worst, so that's all I could ask for. Yeah, I mean, I know, I, I realize that, too, because he's, he's, you know, mainly primarily known for Twilight, but that that dude is a he's a really good actor. He is. Like he, he, is. he, he does movies him. like Twilight and stuff, so that he can do these like weird indie movies where he can really kind of flex his flex his talent. So I never had any concern about him being a good actor or being a good like playing the role well. It was more like how is it going to look? What's the story going to be? What's the world going to look like? I, I always I was always pretty confident he would do he would do a good job as Batman. All right, before we get to the worst story of the week, video games, another passion of ours. Have you been able to catch up on anything? Anything Oh, man, I've been recent? so busy with all this stuff going on. Um, you know, the one one game I've been playing okay. lately, and again, you know me, I, I go back to games that came out years ago. I've never... <laughs> I'm never on the cutting edge of anything, right, right. but I uh, I'd always wanted to play a game called um, Oh shit! Now what's the name of it? Teardown, I believe it's called. Okay. It's, um, uh, it's like a voxel 
base game where the, the entire world is destructible. The entire world is made up of like little tiny like blocky pixels. Okay. And you go in and you sort of do heists. And it's entirely how you want to do the heist is entirely up to you. So let's say you've got to get a you got to steal a safe, and it's on the second floor of a building. So you can go and like chop a hole through the ceiling right. and get a crane and like go down and pick the safe up and you know load it out. Or you can get, like drive a truck underneath the like on the main floor of the building oh, and then blow a hole in it and make sure the safe drops in the truck. It's like a kind of like like little little heist missions where you have complete creativity because the entire environment is destructible. Yeah. And I'd wanted to give it a chance for a long time, and then it popped up on a, on a Steam sale. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been playing that and kind of digging that. Well, for myself, okay, everyone's been talking about this. It just was dropped. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. That's all my friends are talking about. <laughs> oh, and you know what? They all have right to. This is, speaking again of love towards a franchise, this is perfect. Harkens back to when we were younger. The TV series, the old video games, everything smashed into this. You could play as Casey Jones, Splinter, April O'Neil, all the original Turtles. And again, everything is so smoothly, the beat-em-up style. This is perfect. There's so much replayability. You can play online. You can play six at a time. Yeah, six, exactly, instead of the uh, usual yeah, four. So it's like I have nothing bad to say about this game. I, I'm not going to say it's a perfect game because obviously there's no such thing. But the closest thing to, if, if you're into Ninja Turtles, if you're into beat-em-ups, there's no reason for you not to get it. Plus, it's not a full-priced game on top of it. So if you're cheap like myself, there's no reason not to get it. I love it. I would suggest to get it on the Switch because you could play it portably too, but get it on any console that you own. This, to me, if not contender for Game of the Year, it's already Game of the Year for me. I'm sorry. Damn, really? It's great. Well, mind you, this is the only new game I've played. I'm still playing fucking... Then the other game I'm playing quickly is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I made the mistake of getting into. Now I'm fucked because I'm 100 (laughs) hours in. Yes. Oh, yeah, good. By life, uh, yeah. I'm, hours in, though, so you're like, you know, you know, a third of the way through. It. Right, <laughs> that was just what I was gonna say. And I go look. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I can't. But now I'm invested. I have to. I've been playing this game since April, mind you. I don't play like five hour sittings every day. Like maybe on the weekend, I'll or during the whole week, I'll probably play a whole worth of like five hours, so to speak. Right. That's pretty much my gaming. But it's like, oh my god. But I love Assassin's Creed. I'm a sucker. I've mentioned it before. Odyssey is my favorite game of all time. Just, but then it, it's not only that; it's the whole Greek mythology. I'm a huge fan of that stuff too. That's why I used to love God of War. But I don't know; I shouldn't have done it. But I'm in it now. But yeah, anyways, back to Turtles. Yeah, I haven't played anything else new this year, so d- don't quote me on saying it's the best game. But for me, it is. It's, it's fucking awesome. So it's like, I, I, pardon my ignorance. I haven't even seen it. Like I haven't even seen trailers of it. Is right. it like a side-scrolling beat 'em up like the old, like the old arcade games? Is that what it's like? It looks exactly identical to the stand-up arcade cabinet that we used to play okay, as children. Okay. Same thing with the home consoles, like Part Two, I think, on the NES, and then Manhattan Project or whatever it was called. Those were the probably the best two console versions. And it just has all the characters, has everything in it. <laughs> it's fant- has the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song from the cartoon as the intro. Oh, sweet. Like, come on. <laughs> it is great. I, I, it sounds like it is your game of the year. Nothing's going to top that. doesn't matter what else comes out this year. Nothing's going to top it. I don't think so. But let's look for a second. Because we're not guys, again, we don't play recent stuff. Because, you know, we not to say that we have lives. But we have other stuff that we like to cover. Other stuff we like to look forward to. So, what are you looking forward to in general? Because there's been, like, okay, so Resident Evil 4 remake is coming. The Callisto Protocol, which is a Dead Space predecessor, is coming out. I'm really looking forward to that. Street Fighter Six was announced. 
Midnight Suns, a new Marvel game was announced. Speaking of Marvel, The Invincible, I don't know if you saw this. It's sort of like got this follow Outworlds type of vibe to it. Looks amazing, interesting. Starfield, I'm sure I know you want to probably talk about that. What are you looking forward to, my friend? I mean, I guess if I put Starfield up there, I, I uh, watching the the, the, the Xbox uh, Bethesda showcase, um, I was not I was not completely blown away by what they showed oh, okay. in Starfield. And I'm I'm impressed by some of the things they're going to put into it, like the fact you can you know build your own ships, build your own bases, sure. build your weapons and stuff. But visually, and even like kind of the ideas behind it, there's nothing in there that we haven't seen before. Like a, gotcha. I know the joke is, oh, it's No Man's Skyrim, and like that was the joke <laughs> everyone was making. But it's kind of true because it's like walking around mining stuff, building bases. Yeah, I've been doing that for like dozens of hours in No Man's Sky and uh, sure. shooting like. Like shotguns and machine guns of pirates. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are energy weapons and super high tech sci fi weapons in the game, but I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> uh oh, sounds like you're souring on comes it. Out, like, you know that I'm like, like I am or, or was heavily into modding Skyrim. I'm yeah. almost thinking maybe I'm going to give Starfield six months, maybe even okay. a year, and just see the, how the modding sure. scene grows up around it and fixes all the, the stuff that's because it's a Bethesda game, so it's going to be like right. a freaking bug fest on launch day True, it's going to be you know full of bugs on launch day or launch month or launch year so i almost kind of want to wait to see what the modding community does does with it that's like i finally got back into cyberpunk 2077 because oh, speaking of that's on my queue because I, yeah, I i was reading that they finally fixed it so i'm like you know what it was exactly. on discounted i'm cheap why not yeah yeah so they they released the 1.5 update that that added a lot to it and fixed right. a lot and, and the modding community around it isn't quite as robust as something like Skyrim, but there's like sure. people have added really kind of useful mods to okay. it too. So I've been playing a little more, a little more cyberpunk. I'm still kind of choked at, it's got one of the most interesting video game open worlds that also has shit all to do in it. Oh, like wow. it looks amazing. It looks okay. like this night city looks incredible the artistic design they put into it and even like the things like the cars the variety of cars the design of the cars it's so good but oh my god there is nothing to do in that except the missions that you're given to do there's no really really i don't know it does not feel lived in at all even now even after all the patches and stuff it just does not feel like a lived in place so yeah but you know what after playing valhalla and sucking in half my life on this planet, I'm going to look forward to something where there's no side missions, it's a straight story, and I'm done within within like a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually looking I mean, forward are, to that. <laughs> there are a lot of side missions in Cyberpunk. There's a lot of like you know generic do stuff or fixtures missions, but I don't okay. know. You, just, you drive around the world, and there's like these, these incredible buildings, and there's these incredible like there's shops and stuff, but sure. like most of them are non interactive. You can't oh, wow. okay. You know, like like one out of every twenty doors you see is something you can actually go into and, and interact with. So I don't know. I, t- I feel like the artistic design that was was just so spot on in the game, but just there's just not a lot of um, yeah. It just doesn't feel like a real place. I wanted I wanted to get lost in Night City and feel like I was in a real futuristic cyberpunk city sure. but outside of the missions or the side missions or the quests or whatever it doesn't it doesn't feel like a place it just feels like a backdrop oh wow that's been a million times but i mean that's that's because i'm getting back into it that's kind of still where i'm at now all right well, well hopefully i'll be playing that the next time we talk and i'm still not playing valhalla in friggin three months from now but <laughs> oh, good luck with that <laughs> we'll be halfway through valhalla in three months are you ready for the worst story of the week my friend Oh my god, I'm never ready for your worst story of the week. I'm never ready, but here we go, sure. Lay it okay. On me. 
Are you a chocolate bar guy? Or for American listeners, candy bar, which still doesn't make sense to me, but we call it chocolate bars up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I... <laughs> I, You're I'm always afraid to answer these questions because I don't know where the story is going. But yes, I do indulge in the occasional chocolate bar. Okay, so why do you ask, Steve? Well, just no, not nothing too bad. This is actually like a quirky, funny story. No one got hurt. Nothing's disgusting. It's just kind of weird, like how some shit goes down. So this week's story comes from the Mars Chocolate Plant in Pennsylvania. When two workers were doing some maintenance work to one of the chocolate vats, when something. Weird happened. If you'd have to guess, what do you think would happen if two people are maintaining a chocolate vat? Like, you know, I, well, what do you think? Well, you just said it's not something disgusting, but all my mind is going to no place but disgusting places. Like, I'm thinking you're going to tell me they, they took a shit in the chocolate, they found oh, dead mice in the chocolate, they, you know, boned in the chocolate, they ate all, well, eating all the chocolate would be the least weird thing they could do. Uh, they had a bath in the chocolate. I don't know, man. Hit, it, hit me with it. Hit me with it. I can't... I'm, I can't stand the suspense. What happened? Well, you're close. They did sort of have a bath. They both fell in and couldn't get out. Did they die? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Responders showed up. I guess, you know, people were working, luckily. Like, imagine if no one was around or anything. These people would have probably died. But responders showed up. They had to cut a hole at the bottom because they couldn't even reach in. Because I guess maybe because it was so thick or who knows. Like, you know what I mean? So, no, they got out. Everything was okay. Like, maybe they were dog paddling the whole time. I don't know, but... (laughs) Can you imagine if you died by suffocation of chocolate? That'd be that'd be a unique but probably embarrassing way to go. And I, and right? I, I get I feel like now six months from now somebody's gonna buy a Mars bar and like there's gonna be a, like some some guy's set of keys in it or something. I was gonna say like you know what I mean like imagine <laughs> if no one and again going back to if no one was there to help them out. Imagine you start seeing organs, you start seeing body parts, and like chocolate, oh, like you know God, like. I, oh. <laughs> You gotta hope they got systems in place to, to, to prevent that kind of thing, but who knows? But you're right, you know what? Two guys falling into the vat of chocolate and getting rescued and not dying and not pooping in it and like their body parts not being consumed, that, that does rank as one of the, the better worst stories. That, that we well, not to get morbid here, if you had a choice of how to die, like in this sort of weird type fashion of like some sort of euphoric or addiction type thing, what would you want to die from? Like, you know what I mean? Oh man, it would not be in chocolate. I, I okay. had, I don't want to get into the story now, but I had a, a near drowning incident a couple summers oh, shit. ago. And yeah, I, I came very close to, uh, to, to drowning. Um, so I, I, based on that, I would not want to have any sort of death that involved being submerged in liquids. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I've never tried heroin, so give me an overdose of heroin. That sounds like it'd be a very painless, fun way to go. Or, you know, I've always thought if I if I had to choose my my, my method of death, I go yeah. like the middle of the desert with nobody around, okay. with a nuclear weapon, and just set it off right, like, oh. right in my face, because that's it's going to atomize you. You're not going to feel a goddamn. That's thing. true. You're just going to be you're going to be vaporized as long as it's not hurting anybody else. That would be. The quickest, most painless death I'm sure you could you could imagine. Mine would be I would hate for the other person on the other side when this would happen, but I'm sorry, I just love it so much. It would have to be something sexual. I, I just I don't know. <laughs> call me a pig, call me whatever. Like heart attack in the middle of it, instant Is your death. Wife okay with this? Like, well, that's what I'm saying. This? I would feel sorry for her because she's on the flip end of this, but you know what I mean. I'm gone, so yeah. I'm sorry, sweetie. It's your problem now, not mine. <laughs> And that, that feels like kind of a badass way to go, too. Like, die, die during sex. Like, 
Like that feels like the kind of death you would put on your tombstone because it's kind of a flex, you know. There you go. Died a lot of sex. Yeah. Drowning in batter chocolate, not so much, but yeah, definitely. No, I get it. I almost drowned as a child too, and even though I love swimming and I love the water, it, it did throw me off for a little bit. And it is one of the worst things to feel like you're literally going to die because you can't yeah. breathe. Like that's just a crazy. So I, I totally feel where you're coming from, my friend. So I want to say I know I know we're we're into June here, but but people, if you're going out boating this yes. summer, you kind of like make like active. Wear your PFD, wear your life jacket. Do not do what I man. do and go out on a paddleboard in the middle of a lake in Fuck. a windstorm. Oh my god! Fall off and lose your paddleboard and not have a life jacket on. Do not do that because you may not survive. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a really positive note to end on. Hooray! Your death experiences. There you go. Well, if you want to complain. You, you know, you could send us emails and stuff, but where can they complain to you, Steve, if you want people to reach oh, out? You. Don't you dare complain to me. No, I mean, as I say every time on the show, I'm working behind the scenes these days. I'm, I'm, I'm doing writing for the uh, for the big the big tech company. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you want to occasionally, occasionally I might post something on Twitter, maybe like once every six months. So you can get me at, uh, at Steve Tilly on Twitter. That's Tilly with an E-Y. Um, yeah, that's it, man. I'm I'm pretty quiet. I'm 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 laying low. I'm not on the socials much these days. Smart, and I kind of like it. It's calm. No, it is. It really is. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And most important, please, each and every week, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last thing before I let you go. This just blew my mind, and I never thought of this before. Do you know that they finally added a Grammy category for best video game music? No. No. Uh, I feel like video games have won Grammys before. No. I feel like, uh, no. Unless, unless it was a category and they took it away, but no, now there is an actual video game music category. Oh, good. Right? Good, man, because there's, like, there's so much good music comes out of games. Exactly. Exactly. Even even like the old school eight bit and sixteen bit type stuff. Like I know it was like you know crammed into a cartridge and all that, and it's not you know up to standards. But they're catchy tunes, and I think as long as it's catchy, it's good music. Yeah, I think music from a game like Journey or uh, The Outer Wilds, something like that. Yeah, that, that that could definitely be nominated. There's some there's some really talented uh, you know musicians and, and music makers working in games. I like that. Exactly. On that note, we'll see each other in three months. He's Steve. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.